Welcome to Texans Unfiltered. And here we go, here we go! A Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. All right, guys, welcome back to another edition of Texans Unfiltered. A Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. I am Young Ari Gold, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host, John Wade, the Garnet Texan. Texans Unfiltered is brought to you by Run Game Clothing. Go to rungameclothing.com. Use promo code UNFILTERED for 15% off your order. And John, wow. <laughs> we can't get into the game yet. We can't get into the game yet. A uh, lot, lot to unpack here. I mean, just a lot. But um, I wanted to start off with an apology. Um, it seems that I've really uh, I've offended a couple people. Um some people are pretty upset with some of the things I've said. Um, so I want to apologize. Um, you guys, I, I can't tell you how like much I did not mean to do that. Uh, when we started this podcast, we started it as fun. Um, and you know, for me to offend somebody is not why we did this. So, um, you know, I apologize for being me every single freaking week. I, Cannot believe that there are people getting on to me about criticizing Deshaun Watson's game against Carolina. So I apologize for being authentic and I apologize for being real every single wait, week. Wait, whoa, whoa, and I apologize on. that I have high standards for a superstar quarterback hold and on, that I can see flaws in his game and I critique so, I don't know what you guys expected. You guys have been listening. People yeah. are offended because we pointed out that Deshaun Watson had a very bad game that Deshaun Watson would be the first to admit that he had a very bad game that we have pointed out what is most known by just about every single Houston Texans fan. If Deshaun Watson has a bad game, this team isn't doing anything. So Deshaun Watson cannot have a bad game and this is offensive. Correct. Oh dude. Yeah. So it's one thing I've realized and I think it, I think here's what I've realized and, and I've said it before, but because I'm only a fan of one Houston sports team, I mean, I've watched every Astros playoff game in the last three years. I, I watched all of them this weekend. Uh, I even watched the first five innings at ACL while I waited for the cure. I mean, I'm pulling for the Strohs. They get me into baseball in October. It's just the way it works. But I'm not a fan of the Astros. I'm not a fan of the Rockets. But I am a diehard fan of the Texans. And what I've realized is in this city, if, if you – say anything bad about your superstar one you're not a fan which is a problem two that all of a sudden you just don't know what you're talking about and I've realized that it's just it's a Houston thing and I'm baffled by it I'm I'm truly baffled but actually you know know what what, you know what James it's actually a southern thing I think I think you spent too much time out in California um Cause when you, when you kind of bring it up, I, I realize that, yeah, there's with any team in the sec, there's the exact same problem. Um, there's a little bit of it with even UT here in Austin, or if you criticize them, all of a sudden you're no longer a fan unless it's the coach. The coach is always fair game. We can always want to fire our coach. Everything else. If there are good player, if there are marquee player, if they're the guy that's on the banner. Yeah. You, you really can't say anything about them. You can't. And 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 I, I literally I will never, ever like specifically go out of my way 
to down talk Houston because Houston is probably more of a home than California is to me. I just love living in California more than I do Houston. Um, but you know, I grew up with championships and I don't want to come off entitled, but I grew up winning. I grew up watching my franchises win. I saw people criticize magic Johnson on a regular basis. I watched my dad scream at Shaq. I've watched him scream at Kobe. I've seen people in national media rip Kobe and Shaq and LeBron and just name any of our superstars that we've ever had in LA going all the way back to, you know, the Dodgers. Look at what they're doing to Clayton Kershaw right now. That's going on in LA and outside of LA. It's happening all over. So, you know, my my mindset is I want to win as a fan and I want to see a championship at one point before I die. I want the Texans to win a championship. And I'm, I know that me criticizing is not going to get us there. I understand that. And I know that I don't have any implications on what the team does or how they play the game or how they get better. But at the end of the day, if you settle for mediocrity, you're always going to have it. And I know that we can't control what the Texans do like as fans, but you could start to make noise and talk about the right things as compared to the wrong things. If you honestly believe that Bill O'Brien just decided against Atlanta, I know how to call plays now and scheme and then also do it again against the Chiefs, then you're an idiot and you have no reason to like be a football fan because that's not the way the game works. Okay. So I, I just, it, it was, it's just funny. It's multiple conversations I've had and you know, they'll, they'll remind me, well, he's only 24. Okay. What's your point? The guy's won national championships. He's been a winner his entire life and he's going to figure it out. And guess what he's doing right now? He's literally figuring it out. And like John said, he would be the first to tell you that the Carolina game was just an awful game by him. It was on him. There's a reason why he stayed after. Okay. He knew that that's a telling sign, but he knows it and he's working on it. So uh, that uh, apology was tongue in cheek. I really don't care. Uh, now let's get into something else. One thing that I learned. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you made it pretty clear that it was tongue in cheek. <laughs> I yeah. don't think you have to, you don't have to point out the obvious. No, well, you just and, never know. You know, and I will say this. It's one of those things where I encourage people to learn a little bit more about football, and it's fine if you don't. It's fine if you just want to listen to us. It's fine if you want to listen to other podcasts, but it will help you become both more critical and enjoy the game more at the same time. When you're just sitting there and you're essentially scoreboard watching and you're just watching for positive plays, but you don't really quite understand what they're going through. It makes it a lot easier to get angry, but when you sit there and you learn more about the game, you can at least understand why you're getting angry or why somebody's pointing out something. And this isn't a downplay Deshaun. Uh, not at all. Deshaun is rightfully so in the MVP conversation. However, he is gonna he is human. They're not this isn't Madden. They're not gonna go out there and just play up to their stats every single game. They're gonna go out there and they're gonna have bad games. And it's okay for us to say, hey. Let's not crucify the coach this week. Let's crucify so-and-so. Or there's going to be weeks where we're going to say we should be crucifying the coach. We have in the past, and we'll continue to do so. It's Every week's a little bit different. And again, it doesn't mean that we hate Deshaun. It's actually the exact opposite. Yeah, I mean, what do they, what do, like, what do they say? Like, if, if I didn't like you, 
uh, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be so hard on you, right? Like when you have clear expectations for somebody and you know that those expectations can be reached and met, and we know that that's the case with Deshaun, we've seen it. Like Colin Cowherd really had like a very, very good segment today talking about how Ma- Watson was the Mahomes before Mahomes, but yet that was just lost. And because he doesn't do no look passes and and all these other highlight real things, even though what he does do are highlight real throws and multiple, he's done a ton of them. And his rookie year, he was getting all the love nationally everywhere. And then Mahomes came in and he just had an average year to the average football fan and to the national broadcasters and local media too. Nobody really talked about how good Deshaun Watson was last year. He was great considering what he went through. I would love to see another quarterback get sacked 62 times and hit over 85 times and do what Deshaun did, win 10 games and go 11 and 5 and put up the well, numbers he put kind up. kind of amazing that if you look at the a lot of the national media, they're even saying that last year Deshaun wasn't that good. Right. Right. That's what I'm saying. But when you have clear expectations, you're harder on those people because you know what they can do. We know Deshaun is freaking amazing. I truly believe, and I'll say this to a Chiefs fan, I'll say it to Andy Reid, I think Deshaun Watson is the best young quarterback in this league. I truly believe that. We've said it before. We've had the conversation. We know what Watson is. We give you guys the Watson cast annually, and then it ends up being where we give you a Watson cast every week. So we know, but I'm not going to just sit here and take the easy way out and criticize the coach. It's a lazy, easy way for us to do this. And that's not why we started it. So you guys can either, and now we'll get into this part of it. Now that we know we'll never, ever, ever, ever get media passes because we criticize the team. I I really don't care what we do anymore. I really don't. I don't care what we do. If we cuss, whatever it is, the fact that the franchise that we want to help and promote and be a part of and, 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 and just enjoy and do the things that we want to do won't give us a media pass because we criticize the team. Then you know what? Oh, well, Oh, well, it doesn't matter. And there was somewhere else I was going to go with that. I, but I lost my train of thought, but either way, my point is this, this team is something that we love and you guys love for you to listen to us every week. You have to love this team because we are just two guys. We're two guys that happen to know football and enjoy watching the game. If you're listening, that means that you love football just as much as we do. So you're going to get this every week. And I'm going to criticize Deshaun. I'm going to criticize B.O.B. I'm going to criticize the front office or the lack thereof in the front office, whatever it would be. But we are never going to sell out. We are never going to go against what we like and what we enjoy, and we're not going to do it for anything. So, um, all right, that's enough. Let's. Uh, I went to ACL this weekend, John. It was it was really fun. My wife's favorite man is the Cure, um, so I bought her. Um, we bought VIP tickets um, and went and we were able to go to like the decking, like this decking play, like view for like on a deck. It was really cool. Really oh, drink, wow. good drinks. Yeah, it was really awesome. They provided us with free alcohol and food and massages and all this great things. It, it was an amazing weekend. Um, then my car got broken into. Whatever. We already know about that. We don't need to hamp on that. Um, but then yesterday, you, me, Devin, the wives, the kids, uh, we met at Pluckers. Um, ended up being a great time. We ended up having the whole patio to ourselves because it was supposed to be closed. We got to watch the game. The wives got to talk and hang out, and the kids got to play. Um 
that was an extremely fun day yesterday. You know, that that was great. It was great that Devin and Nora and, and Olivia got to come. That was just a really fun time. And then they left at halftime, which was perfect. Gave us the opportunity to watch the second half uninterrupted. And um, but yeah, it was just a great time. I, I got pretty plastered. And um, <laughs> as anybody that saw the Instagram live feed. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it was just fun. It was a great way to watch the game. Yeah, even though I, I probably wouldn't recommend that that pluckers. They got an issue with their grease trap, but it was fun. It was the service was was good. Uh, average, average, good. I yeah. mean, not really complaining about that. I mean, just every time, like I, I'm checking my kid's diaper, it's like, nope, that's the grease trap. But yeah, they just need to pressure wash that back patio. I'd probably go. pluckers outside of that is great. Yeah, and well, their and, right. and their fries are straight U.S. food, frozen bag fries which kind of surprised me based on everything i heard of pluckers you can't tell both me and me and james have been in the restaurant industry for a little bit at some points in our life yeah. but other than that can't complain it was a good place to watch the game um i walked inside and there was more texans fans than cowboys fans Granted, always a good sign yeah the cowboys played a little bit later but you know i'm i'm always down for that yeah, no, it was it was fun. It was a good time. All right, um, so I'm gonna do. I'm gonna call an audible here real quick. We typically go into game recap and reactions. We're gonna go down to predictions. We're gonna start with predictions, <laughs> dude. We I think it's to, a great time. We gotta retire. To we just gotta retire predictions. We are never gonna top last week. No, last week no, was just not. pretty much completely and totally spot on. I'm not sure I can, I'll ever bother. I, I can't, we can't do that again. Never going to be that right ever again. So let's recap. So John said, thought we would shock the world and beat them. Said the, that we were the first team that the chiefs have played that can go toe to toe with them offensively. Uh, and he's right. And then I said, I thought we would win. And I thought we would win con- convincingly. I think I said 10 points. Uh, or I said, I wouldn't be surprised if we won by 10 points and that the fan base would feel even better than they did after the Falcons game. Um, I specifically mentioned uh, playing man. We saw a lot of that, which was a shock. Um, we established a run. We used the quick, short passing game to open up the downfield throws. Unfortunately, we didn't connect on those downfield throws. Well, let me rephrase. Uh, Deshaun connected on the deep <laughs> downfield throws, uh, but the receivers didn't do their part. Um, so, yeah, as far as predictions go, I don't know if predictions are ever going to um, be able to be as spot on as those were. Yeah, we nailed it. And damn, (laughs) I mean, I re-listened to our predictions from last week earlier today before the show. And I'm absolutely shocked how right on we were. So at this point, we can't top that. We just can't. So maybe we'll have to retire it. I don't know. And... It, what's crazy is I said we'd probably win by one score and James said we'd win by about 10 points and would look better. And we were both right because even if we had ended up blowing that game, we looked like the better team the entire game other than a couple of really unfortunate plays at the beginning. But we we really looked like the better team. We looked like the better offense. Deshaun looked like the better quarterback. And we were just a couple of inches away from having a a multiple touchdown lead on the chiefs. Like we could have dropped 
I don't know, 45 points against them. 50, 50 based on the math I did just by our receivers catching the ball. And if all of them catch it, yeah, we, we easily get to 50 and let's just say that we get back to, you know, a normal ratio and one out of those three patch passes are, are dropped. Then we still are in the forties. And that's, what's crazy about this game. We left points on the board or on the field and, and we beat the chiefs. <laughs> we, we didn't play a perfect game. We could have played better. Well, and we started off awful. I mean, I don't think it'd be like yesterday, both of us and Devin, we were like, oh, this, we know where this game's going. What was it? 17 to nothing? Was it 17 nothing or 17 7? I think it was 17. Yeah, it was 17 nothing. Was it? Okay. Yeah, I, I, I could have sworn it was. Anyways, we were all three of us were like, okay, well, this is over. I ordered another drink extremely quick. <laughs> Um, I did not expect us to turn it around once I saw that we were in such a hole because typically when you play the chiefs, if you're down, no matter who you are, if you're down by 17, the chances of you coming back and winning that game against that high octane offense are very, very slim. It's just not the way it works out. And, um, but yet that wasn't the case yesterday. This team came to play. They came to play in all four phases, and they were extremely good. Um, so I I mean, I called this game three weeks ago. I said that this team is a combination of the Saints and Chargers, and that's what we were yesterday, except we had a better defensive performance yesterday than we've had all season. Um, it was a balanced attack, huge rushing game, dink and dunks when needed. Hit on the downfield throws. They just couldn't bring it in. An anomaly on one wide receiver. Not necessarily an anomaly on another wide receiver. Um, but, I mean, we really should have scored 50. It was um, it was a hell of a game on both sides. Yeah, we and got down 17-3. Before, mm. yeah. 17-3, and I remember that because we were sitting there and we were like, if they get a one more score... So we had held them to a field goal, but if they had made a if they had if they had scored a touchdown instead of that field goal, we were saying we're all leaving. We're just we're not gonna be able to sit here and watch us get get it handed to us. We held them to a field goal, which kept us at Pluckers, thank God. Because <laughs> it turned into yeah. something. And it turns out had they had scored a touchdown, we would have still came back. But you know, that's crazy. Yeah, no, and I think that's the part that people need to really kind of keep in mind is just the fact that um, I mean, we were down 14 points to this team in the first quarter and, uh, we came back and put a beat down on them. And when I say a beat down, we'll get into the defense, we'll get into the offense, but that second half that was literally, and this is not being blown out of proportion. That was that second half alone was the best offensive game plan. Bill O'Brien has ever put together in his entire career as the head coach of the Houston Texans. I'd say maybe starting, starting in the second quarter because we scored 20 points in the second quarter. Well, okay. I, I, I agree, but I'm not, I don't want to include the second quarter because of what we did in the, in the second half with, I think the time of possession, just how we played keep away essentially. Yes. In that fourth quarter, I think, 
uh, the Chiefs only had the ball for a minute 25. Okay. That alone is insane. That's a crazy stat. He was negative four yards in the fourth quarter, Pat Mahomes. Think about that. You'll probably never see that stat line again from him in one quarter. Negative four yards in a quarter. That's insane. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm so. kind of speechless on it. This is Pat Mahomes. They're all, and it's been kind of interesting to read what the national reaction has been. Um, everything from well, he, he he was fine until he hurt his ankle again, and then after that, the Texans just took advantage to the Texans, you know, actually blowing them out. So it just kind of depends on which analyst you kind of listen to, and. You know, I will say this. I will say the Chiefs have they're they're a good team, but we also got to remember this is the NFL. And even having a good team with a with a young quarterback on a rookie deal, every team is going to have holes between just not having enough players out there, not having enough cap room to spend the money on the players, and not having enough time to actually put these teams together and practice together. So the Chiefs have some very, very, very obvious holes. But they get elevated to this near mythical status because of the game planning of Andy Reid and the play of Patrick Mahomes. And negative four and a quarter is just not supposed to happen. I mean, honestly, to put that in perspective... Gardner Minshew will probably never have a fourth quarter where he is negative four yards. Like and honestly, this is without this is without any of our cornerbacks. That's what's amazing about it. Who are the players out on the field at that point? That was Lonnie Johnson, Crossan, Crossan, and Gaines. And Gaines. Yeah. I mean, this wasn't exactly a murderer's row of corners out there. Um, our pass rush was was doing some work, but. You know, it's just, it's, I, I don't even have words for it. And the more I sit there and I think about it, it's not, not even bad play calling can account for negative four yards. That's just, that's the Texans getting into their heads. Well, they have, I mean, they, they don't play from behind very often. Um, and they, I, I don't really feel like they made much adjustments offensively. Um, they, they still in the second half went with a lot of motion, lots of screens. Um, it was almost like the exact same game plan. W- one thing that it did was because they couldn't get anything going on the ground, even when they were up 17-3, Andy Reid completely abandoned the run game. And I think when you take that away from a quarterback, and e- even the great ones, when you take away that, that ability to run the ball and it's all on their shoulders. You're taking away a big part of their game that they need. Um, and it, it just gives them the opportunity to do so much more on offense. And I would, I need to look it up. I haven't looked it up, but I'd love to see how many times they rushed um, in the second half. Cause I don't believe it was much. So, uh, all right. Um, God. So, and then another react recap and reaction with the offense starting so slow, 
what in my mind, what started to make me think was just imagine, because this is week six, but yet it's week six of the same old first quarter Texans um, outside of the Saints game. And whether it be a turnover or just, you know, three and outs, whatever it would be. Uh, imagine if this team could just play for four quarters, at least on offense. If you could just see what the offense could do for four straight quarters. Um, I, I truly believe that they would look just like, if not better than what the chiefs looked like last year. Oh, definitely. Um, part of it is Bill O'Brien sticks to the run even more so than, than Andy Reed, no matter what's going on. So we actually, you know what? I'm going to take that back. Cause we were actually second in the NFL and plays ran last year, weren't we? So yep. a lot of it's just finishing it. Half the season last year, we had the all-field go offense where we kind of joked about it and we just were not scoring touchdowns. This year is almost like Deshaun's rookie year where if we get in, in the red zone, we're going to score a touchdown. We're back to that. I think right now we are sec- – at the start of the Chiefs game, we were second in the league in red zone con- conversions. And I doubt our numbers dropped off that that far because we only failed to convert once when we were in the red zone against the Chiefs. If we continue to do that and you just look at it season-wide, yeah, we're going to have a season that is very, very similar to the Chiefs were last year when everybody was just talking about them as one of the all-time great offenses. The thing that's different, though, is just the national media coverage around what Deshaun does. And I just, just to throw it out there, it's like Mahomes runs around, looks crazy, makes, it's like a mixture of Brett Favre and Mike Vick. Like he's running for his life and then he just flicks the ball and somebody comes up with a catch and it's an amazing catch. Whereas with Deshaun, a lot of those big plays, even though he's a mobile quarterback, is just real calm, cool, and collected. And he just executes, even when he does do a running play and Deshaun keeps the ball and and picks up a first down or something like that. It's not this crazy out of control. It's always under control. And it doesn't look quite as good on TV. And part of the reason it doesn't look quite as good on TV is you're comparing it to Mahomes, even if it's the exact same play. Because Mahomes is going to just spin around and, I don't know, spin around, jumping jacks, do a little jig, where Mahomes or where Watson's just going to go out there and pick up the 10 yards. Yeah, no, and, and real quick, a quick update. The red zone efficiency has actually gone up, so we are now the number one red zone um, efficiency team in the NFL right now, 72.9%. So, um, I mean, the team is just, they're clicking on all cylinders. Like I said, the point of that was really just to talk about what if they were to do it for a whole game, which we haven't seen yet, and I think we will. Um, I still think we will. I still think, you know, there's things that are happening that are, Uh, We're having to adapt to, and that's going to happen. It happens over an NFL season to every team. Um, You know, with Titus going out now, you know, we're going to have Roderick in, um, and and we'll get into the O-line and and the Titus Howard injury in in general. But um, And sorry, before I rambled, my whole point was we are already – if we do – if our offense is that effective for an entire game – like we're just we're gonna smash records because right now where we're at and it feels like we don't even put the whole game together, 
we're still on a record second record setting pace. And a lot of people don't realize it until the narrative gets put out there and the narrative just because of the way for, I guess it's just because we're Houston and the way we do it, the narrative's not going to pop up until about halfway through the season to three quarters of the way of the season. If we continue like this. Yeah. I think the only record just based on like what I've looked at stat wise is we, we could set a record for red zone efficiency, but outside of that, from like a yards perspective, from a TD perspective, um, just considering that we're entering week seven now, um, it's almost impossible for us to be able to um, like break offensive records. But yes, in the red zone, we could definitely finish with the best red zone offense um, in NFL history based on where we're going now. But it's such a week-to-week league that anything can happen. But I agree. I mean, it's just incredible just to see what this team could do. And like I said, once we see a full four quarters, uh, it's going to be very interesting. Um, all right, and one more thing before we get into the highlights of offense and defense. Um, you know, I, I've seen a lot of back and forth about this, and I'm just wondering, I wanted to get your opinion on this. Uh, do we credit the defense for the second half stats, or do we credit the offense and Bill O'Brien for keeping the Chiefs' offense off the field? Both. I Correct. mean, you have to do both. <laughs> Correct. Uh, something with the... With the time of possession, with how the Chiefs ended up, it, it's not one way or the next. Even though the offense kept the ball away from them, the defense kept them from even from putting a drive together. And then our offense executed. So yep. it, it's both. It's both. Correct. They go hand in hand. The ultimate team sport. All right, let's get into the offense. Highlights from the offense. Obviously, Deshaun was great. The one thing that Deshaun did, and this is what I've been so critical about for a year and a half now, is Deshaun was great at picking up blitzes, John. Um, I mean, like really good at picking up blitzes, and it shows in the stat line for hits and sacks. He was truly amazing at being able to pick up the blitz, recognize the blitz, uh, re- read the defense, just everything that he we needed him to do for us to take that next step. Um, he's gotten so much better at it. So I, you know, I. I, I'm wondering if he's listening because um, he just turned it on this last week and it, it's quite amazing. The all 22 doesn't come out until tomorrow. So I haven't been able to like, I haven't where you watched the game. I wanted to do it today, but I had a bunch of other stuff I had to deal with because of the car thing. But um, it's really quite insane. The fact that he did it so well. And the biggest thing is he's getting the ball out on time. And I know that there's a lot of of numbers people that say that quarterbacks really don't get into rhythm. Getting into rhythm is a myth. That kind of takes away a little bit of the psychological. Or when they start completing cat, uh, passes, they come in bunches. And with Deshaun, though, when he starts stringing together a bunch of completions, he starts to get the ball just out quicker. This is the second week in a row that he's going to be under 2.7 seconds to throw. And I think he was 20 of 23 on passes that he took less than 2.5 seconds to throw. And I, I don't recall. And it was for 190 something yards. Oh yeah. Yep. I remember seeing that on Twitter. Yeah, it was like it 197 was, yards or something like that or 187, something like that. Which is, just to say that he's seeing the defense a little bit better. And this is never to 
this is not to say that he wasn't seeing the defenses beforehand. Essentially what they were doing with Deshaun um, and when they've had success with Deshaun is he has about two seconds to decide where to throw the ball. And Deshaun wanted to always go for the big play. So one, two, he has to identify what type of zone coverage it is. If it's a cover two, cover four, if they're blitzing, all these things he's got to figure out that we always talk about within two seconds. When he goes on those little rants at the end of the game, within two seconds. And what Deshaun had been trying to do during those two seconds is he thought that he would always be able to break the big play. He has now settled down for two games in a row and realize that just take what the defense gives you and that turns into big plays. And it's just, this is when he's at his best. He had streaks of it last year. And if he can continue to put it together this year, then we, we might be onto something like we may be watching an MVP season. I mean, he's got to go up and catch that game manager up in the Pacific Northwest, but. Mm. Devin is never going to live that down, by the way. <laughs> but it's for just a little backstory. Uh, Devin, uh, I'm not going to say his last name because I don't want you guys to like find him. Um, his daughter and wife are um, family, so I couldn't do that. But he called Russell Wilson a game manager yesterday during the game. And me and John both looked at him like, uh, are you serious? You, you can't be serious right now. <laughs> You can't. You can't. I mean, Ru- Russell Wilson can. Russell Wilson. <laughs> Russell Wilson. Oh, if you ever watch the fantasy football or, or listen to the fantasy footballers, that podcast they they do it the best. But I mean, if he's a game manager, he can he can ma- He's a hell of a game manager. <laughs> I'll take that. Every time manager, you throw, uh, every time you throw throw a touchdown pass, it's like he's doing an excellent job of managing that game. But right now it's just between Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson, early season favorites. And I, we've got a lot of season to go. We've over half the season still to go, but that could shape up to be one heck of a, of an MVP MVP race. And it's just amazing that we've taken that step and he's now starting to get that national recognition and all the national shows that I typically listen to, they've started to kind of point that out, which at no point ever happened last year. And last year, he actually had a really good season. I swear to God, the next person that comes on and says, oh, he had a bad season last year. I may stop listening to him. I, I may turn into a troll. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm just, I'm going to lose my, I'm going to lose my mind because he did not have a bad season last year. And that whole narrative just needs to go away because that did not happen. No, I agree. Um, so, all right. I mean, the question now is, can this – okay, it's actually not really a two-parter, but I guess there's just part more than one part to it. Can we expect this to be the norm moving forward? And if so, opposing defenses are in massive trouble. Because if you remember, anytime you play Tom Brady or any of the top quarterbacks in the league, anytime that you do it, the number one thing is you can't send extra blitzers. You just can't. That's not what you. That's if you do, they're going to pick you apart. And if Deshaun's at that, getting to that point, good luck. Just good luck. I would argue. Well, the problem is Deshaun's always been an emotional quarterback, and 
if he's able to control that and play within himself, then watch out. Because he's always been able to, he has been able to read the the blitzes in the past. He would just try to do too much. He would always try to win the game. And if he realizes to let the other players around him win the game, and he doesn't fall into that trap where he tries to turn into super Superman, he will be Superman. This isn't something to say, watch out. It's just with him. It's always, it's always been a more of an emotional type thing that if that not to get over aggressive and not to try and do too much when you get frustrated because every defense that's ever baited him into that, that's when he struggles. It's not necessarily the blitzing. It's not necessarily zone versus man because he's beat all those coverages. He has played some very good defenses that have shown some very exotic looks since he first came into the league. And there have been times where they just essentially drop back, take away everything deep, make him play, um, make, make him dink and dunk. And that just, that's what gets to him. And once he's kind of realized it's like, okay, you're going to do that. I'm, we're just going to beat you like that. That's when he plays his best. And that's when teams should watch out. Quarterback, emotional head coach. Oh, I know, right? Could be a recipe for disaster. <laughs> it but could also it's be a, turning. It out. could be a recipe for disaster. It's, but it's also one of those things that, if it's channeled correctly, could also be a recipe for something special. Like that's just how it goes. I agree. Nope, you're right. You're right. Uh, all right, so uh, finish up the Deshaun aspect of this. Um, the stat line: thirty of forty-two, two hundred and eighty yards, one TD, two interceptions, two rushing TDs, forty-two rushing yards. Um, the biggest thing that I took away from the stat line is if you didn't watch the game, you didn't watch how good Deshaun actually was. That stat line doesn't represent how good Deshaun actually was yesterday. No, it, it really doesn't. Again, that stat line was hurt by a couple of drops, not a couple of drops, more than several drops. And even if that stat line was entirely accurate without the drops, just watching Deshaun control the game and making the throws when he needed to make the throws. And I don't know who said it, and I think it might've been on Twitter, but DeAndre Hopkins had the most dominant 70 yard, or what was it? How many yards did Hop end up with? It I was don't something know. I'll like, look it up right now. It was less, months. it was like 68 yards, like 12 catches for 68 yards. But it was the most dominant 12 catches for 68 yards ever. Yeah, I mean, DeAndre was dominant. Like you're not like I said you're not going to see that like that type of performance based on his stat line, but it's the catches that he did make. And they were a lot of third down catches, you know, for first downs. They were 5-6 yard catches, but when he caught those, like when he caught those were when we needed him to catch them. And that person said it right on Twitter like you probably won't see a performance like that in the sense of what he accomplished with those catches because they just kept they kept moving the chains and they kept the offense on the field. And, you know, for, for everybody that's upset about Deandre Hopkins stat line, uh, going into week seven, I get it. I know he's not on pace for 1500 yards and everything else, but at the same time, like if you watch what he's doing on the field, he's still extremely valuable. He's still the first read. Um, and, and he still garners all the attention that he gets on a week in week out basis. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was, he was stellar yesterday and Deshaun was too. And that's the part, like if you just look at the box score, 
you have no idea how good Deshaun Watson was yesterday. None. I mean, yeah. literally none. If you just look at the box score, you have no idea how good Duke Johnson was yesterday. No, you or don't. Or Aikens was or Fells was. I mean, the only person whose box score looks amazing is Carlos Hyde's. And I mean, 26 carries for 116 yards and a touchdown is, I mean, it's it's great. Don't get me wrong, but that's not dominant either. And he dominated that yeah. game. It was just one of those where we had an offense with a whole bunch of weapons and they all contributed to it. And it was one of those where this is what I have been waiting for with Bill O'Brien and his offense and all the haters. And you can go back and listen to the shows from, from years past where I kind of talk about it. It's like, just wait when we have the right mix of running backs and we start to get on with the short passes and running through the air, it'll allow us to control the game in a way we have never, we haven't seen in years. And we'll do it without running Arian Foster into the ground, which is how we used to control the games. So this is the closest that I have seen this past game, not even the Atlanta game to what I thought the Bill O'Brien offense was actually going to look like. And granted, we only had one quarter where we just put up points nonstop. And that was the second quarter, but how they controlled the game. And no matter what the chiefs did, they were able to, they were able to adjust and we really should have scored more points. And we were just literally, inches away from scoring an additional 14 to 21 points. Like it's crazy. And this is what we've been waiting for. And I know the chiefs defense was bad, but when you look at the mix of play calling and the mix of the types of plays that were called and the players that were involved, like we should be really hopeful. Like this isn't drinking the Kool-Aid. This is what we've been waiting for. Now, hopefully it continues. I mean, but this is it. Yeah. Well, speaking of the run game, let's get into it. So, I mean, the run game was established early. I mean, extremely early. They went to Carlos Hyde often. Obviously, he fumbled on the first play of the of the game on offense. But after that, he looked like a man possessed. And I don't mean in the sense of like Christian McCaffrey or you know prime Todd Gurley or Zeke. But when you watch him run, he ran so angry. I mean, he was getting two to three extra yards after contact each time he had the ball in his hand uh he was playing with a chip on his shoulder obviously coming from kansas city uh i'm sure he had this game you know circled and that's fine most players do when it comes to those kinds of things but um when you just watch him run the ball and how angry he was when he did it um you could just tell he's re- he's rejuvenated i mean this really is the carlos Hyde that everybody was expecting coming out of um ohio state uh, he, he showed flashes in, of it in cleveland or i mean in san francisco um and i mean what this will be one of those moves at the end of the season that we talk about where we say wow look at what bill o'brien did like he he turned a player that they were going to cut you can have a another conversation about should they have cut rankins or traded rankins that's an entirely different conversation because me and john are in the camp that no you probably shouldn't have cut rankins but at the same time when you look at the way the offensive line is performing it's kind of hard to argue against it when you add carlos hyde into the mix um but it's going to be one of those under under the radar moves that people talk about for quite some time, and or at least not quite some time because it's not like a historic move. But uh, at the end of the season, it'll be something we talk about, and we'll be wondering: Is Carlos Hyde going to be our running back moving forward? Uh, Kenny Galladay is so good. Um, all right, uh, Duke Johnson. Yeah, no, okay, Carlos, so, Carlos Hyde is going to be one of those um, underappreciated. It's one of those underappreciated moves that at the end of the year 
that you're going to look back and be very, very thankful that it happened. And that was the one call of the game before I went into my pessimistic, this is too good for things to happen shell, where I was not afraid after he fumbled it because he runs better when he's angry. And I would hope somebody just goes and slaps him in the face before the next game so he doesn't have to fumble the ball to get angry. But if that's what it's going to take, whatever. Fumble the first handoff every game and then just run like that the rest of it. Or just do like the water boy, just say something about his mama and like let him like envision you as a baby or whatever it would be. How like, you know, Adam Sandler did that in the water boy. That would work too. Um, so Carlos Hyde, 26 carries, 116 yards, one TD. Obviously he fumbled. Um, you know, it wasn't something that we want to see, um, but he made up for it. Uh, the team made up for it overall. Uh, Duke Johnson, five carries, 34 yards, two catches for 20 yards, and one TD. Uh, both running backs were very good in pass protection. And Duke Johnson, you know, again, we're, we're going to come back to this every week because people are looking at it like, I can't believe, you know, we traded a third for a guy that's, you know, adding 60 yards in in offense. Um, but, like, if you honestly put it into perspective, <clears throat> that third-round pick next year, whether it was a running back or, you know, a wide receiver or, you know, whatever it would be, if you got that production out of that third down running or that third round running back, you would have been happy. And so I think, I I think that's a way you should probably look at this trade is Duke Johnson is under contract for the next three years and has been productive. And the chances of you getting a third round guy to be this productive, his rookie year or his second year, or, or it's pretty high. I mean, pretty low. So, Think about that for a second. Like you traded a third for a guy that gave you 60 yards and a TD and he's giving you about 60 yards every week. Yeah. Duke Johnson, he is being used as a change of pace back. If they, the problem was there was this hope because Duke Johnson is so efficient with the ball that he would get more carries. He has gotten more carries here than he did in in Cleveland, but right now they've kind of got it worked out exactly where they need to with him. And there's going to be games. There's going to, I thought it was actually going to be this game where it was just a pure shootout where we would have to score every single time. And there was going to be a Duke Johnson game. We just happened to control the chiefs a lot better (laughs) than we expected. Um, Our defense actually showed up and played better than you could have asked. I mean, we just didn't get into that shootout regardless of what the score looks like. We had control of the ball. That's why Duke Johnson's numbers aren't eye popping. And that's okay because he's doing exactly what you want him to do. He is still one of the most efficient running backs in the league. He's still one of the best catching pass catching running backs in the league. And you're not going to find that for a third round pick. If you want that in a running back, you're going to have to draft him higher, no matter how many yards you give him. And, you know, maybe they end up in the next couple of years, working him into it into more of a role. But right now the balance they have between him and Carlos Hyde. And I don't think they even expected this much out of Carlos Hyde. I mean, you just go with it. I agree. I don't, there's no issue for the way that we're using it. I understand that you would want more, but if you're winning, does it really matter? And it kind of goes back to the DeAndre Hopkins stat line. Like, if DeAndre's not getting 1,500 yards and he finishes with, with 1,000 or 1,100 and, you know, five TDs or whatever it would be, and you're winning, there's no reason for you to care. <clears throat> no reason. Um, so quick question, John, is this through six games, is this the best one two punch at running back that we have had in the O'Brien era? In the Bill O'Brien era, yes. 
I mean, this is like peak fake or peak Foster and Tate. And that's just because Foster was so good. Because I, I would rather actually have Duke Johnson and Carlos Hyde than Ben Tate. And I know that kind of sounds blasphemous, but thinking back on it, yeah, I, th- I think I would. Yeah, I mean, I love Arian. He definitely, I mean, the way he glided, he's underrated as a running back in general, but what he meant to the yeah. team in the two more, Two more healthy years of Arian. I, oh, I mean, injuries he, did that man wrong. He, he should. So good. Yeah. So good. He was, he, he's the best running back. He's hall, yeah, he was a Hall of Fame caliber running back. He just didn't get enough years. But his peak years, yeah. I love Arian. Yeah, I do too. Um, all right. Offensive line. Zero sacks, two quarterback hits. One of those quarterback hits should have been roughing the passer because it was literally after the play pretty much. Uh, Frank Clark's a dirty, dirty uh, son of a gun. Um, But the O-line, yet again, I mean, the unit's gelling. Um, They're they're performing at a high level. They're keeping Deshaun clean. They're helping him pick up blitzes. Um, The offensive line is just continuing to this was a good test too you know I, I tweeted it out earlier i saw a lot of people talking about like oh you know the pass rush that we played you know the last two weeks have been awful okay that's fair i would agree with you 100 percent. but the problem really hasn't been the first four games rushing you know handling a four-man rush it's really been the blitzes and picking them up and being able to react to them and making the necessary changes to pick up those blitzes the four man rush has not always been has not been the biggest issue. It's just been picking up blitzes. This week, what we saw was the ability to be able to pick up blitzes, shift the protection where you need it to go, and being able to execute the offense and getting the ball out quicker. These are the things that we were screaming for a long time. Um, but this week we really saw a true performance from the offensive line from a defense that does blitz a lot. Yeah. No, our offensive line definitely has the physical talent to be good and now they're starting to gel and they're starting to communicate better and every single week they look better and better and better this isn't an aberration because of the the teams that we played if you actually looked at the communication on the line and again like you're saying how they shift how they pick up blitzes and how we talked about last week when Tunsil points out blitzers those are all very 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 good things and yeah, I mean, all of a sudden we've got a top 10 offensive line and knock on wood, we hope it continues, especially with um, Howard getting hurt. But I mean, Roderick Johnson, we, we wanted him to play during the preseason, just not like this, but he looked fine. He looked fine. The, the unit as a whole just looked fine. And hopefully this just continues to go. I'm not expecting too much of a drop off from Titus to Roderick right now. Um, I think the other four will be able to help him. He's not, luckily it's on the right side and not the left side. That definitely plays a part. Um, but I'm not expecting too much of a drop off and that's not to diminish what Titus has done his rookie year. He's been extremely good for us and he's been a lot better than what people expect. Um, you know, he was drafted as a, you know, quote in quotations, developmental tackle. Uh, well, developmental tackles don't typically play their rookie year. And when they do, they're usually not this good. And he's been very good for us. So, uh, But Roger Johnson, we saw him in preseason. We saw him this game. He looked fine. 
Uh, I expect there to be not too much of a drop off. And like I said, that's not to say that Titus isn't a better player. I just think the other four guys are going to be able to help him pick it up. Um, all right, John, let's get to the defense. Um, I wrote down one, two, three, four, five. I wrote down five players, and I know you have the agenda, but without looking at the agenda right now, if you were to pick five players that had the biggest impact on the game, who would those five players be? Lonnie Johnson. Yep. Roby. Yep. Reader. Yep. Um, I want to say both linebackers, but Zach and BMAC. Zach and BMAC. Okay. And that would put me at five, even though you're going to disagree with this. And, but just from the, the amount that I have been able to rewatch, JJ actually had a better game than Stats State. I believe that. No, I believe that. Um, so, Reader plus JJ is what allowed Aminahu, damn it, <laughs> and Martin to make some very, very big plays. And Charles Aminahu, I owe, I owe that man an apology because I was a li- I, I was not as high on him as I, I should have been. Um, I think I prefaced it with it's because you what you would watch Big Twelve football, but you know should have just gone with with uh, get reactions on him. That kid can play. Yeah, like that kid can straight up play. So the five were Roby, Reader, Lonnie, O'Menahue, and B Mac. Okay. Um, and and we'll get into here. So. Um, we're going to miss Roby just so everybody understands. Don't, don't let the fourth quarter and the end of the third quarter fool you. Yes. Yeah. Like, think we about need, this. We need, we need Roby for TY. Yes. We, well, we need Roby for TY and we need Roby in general because he's our best cover corner. Lonnie is good and he's showing development. He's showing progress every single week. He's getting better and better every week, which is what you want to see from a rookie corner. Uh, he's still got to learn to turn his head. Um, you know, turn around and make it, you know, look like he's making a play on the ball. Um, it's the Kareem Jackson syndrome. We all remember that when Kareem was a rookie. It's something that most rookie corners struggle with, but he's getting better every week. And like I said, that's what you want. And Lonnie has been really good, but Roby has been extremely good. Uh, you know, being able to tackle. Okay. If there's a, if there's a completed catch, but being able to tackle your guy right away and bring them down. That is a great trait to have as a cornerback because basically you're ending the play there instead of allowing more yards after the catch. And Roby is always in the pocket, always in their pocket, all the time. And he's been he's been stellar. We've said it for two weeks now. I've said it since the offseason. I expected him to be a huge player for us, and he has been. We're going to miss him. And the reason why he didn't show so much is because the defense wasn't on the field a lot in the second half. And that plays a part. Um, so I'm, we're going to miss Roby, uh, but he had a hell of a game, uh, DJ reader. Oh my God. DJ reader is a man amongst boys, bro. I mean, it's every Dude, week. I mean, me and Devin's conversation during the game was like, can we just give Roby and reader contract extensions now before halftime's over? Yeah, dude. Uh, yeah, I think we should have. I still stand by that. The, the, they should have already be extended. Yeah. I mean, he like, it's like we've had the Watson cast. We're going to have to start considering having the reader cast because 
We've had reader segments. All the time. Every again, week. Again, we, we love reader here. If you are not aware of that, we love reader here. And that is one of our earliest calls. And, dude, he's just getting better. Like, he's way better than even we thought that he would be. Yeah, and he's getting better in a lot of areas that you wouldn't expect a defensive tackle to get better at. Um, you know, collapsing the pocket, being able to push the center into the throwing lanes of the quarterback, not giving him a pocket to step up in. Uh, he's just become a better pass rusher, which isn't something you typically see from a defensive tackle, um, specifically in a 3-4. Um, so, yeah, DJ's like we we said it two weeks ago that he's turned into a three-down player. But it's just being, I mean, you're just seeing it every week. It's just constant. He's just getting better at everything you want him to get better at. And yeah, you're right. Like he's got to get locked up. And, you know, luckily for us, I think the reason why they're not locking him up right now is because the defensive tackle market for the last three years has not been very high. Uh, So you'll probably get reader at a good price at the end of the season. And it'll probably be the same that you can get him now. Um, so you're saving a little bit of cap room in case anything happens, you know, during the season, not saying something will, but if you were to make a trade for Pat Pete, it's easier to absorb that cost, um, or any other potential trades, who knows what happens. This is only week six. So there are things that may need to happen for us to bring in a player or whatever it would be. So I think that's one of the main reasons why we're not seeing an extension for DJ reader right now, but yeah, I mean, the guy's got to get locked up. I mean, it's really, there's really nothing else that should be said. I mean, he's, I think he's been the best defensive player on this team this entire year. Yeah. If not the most important and, and the most he's allowed, he's allowed all of the other players around him on the defensive front to look better. Every single other, Amanahue, uh, Watt, Merciless, they're all benefiting for him, including BMAC when he pass rushes. Like, Reader has been an absolute force of nature. And yeah, we've hopefully they have a plan because we cannot we cannot lose him. We we just cannot lose him. <laughs> I don't think we'll lose him. I don't think there's a chance that we don't unless some team just blows him out of the water and pays him twelve million dollars a year. Um, but yeah, I I mean we'll see. There's still so many games to go in this season. Um, Lonnie Olani, my God, um, I we haven't seen a cornerback be able to cover a tight end the way that Lonnie Johnson covered Travis Kelsey in the second quarter and third and fourth quarter um, since A.J. Bouillet left. And, and it was a different style of coverage. It was very Lonnie physical. Johnson beat the hell out of Travis Kelsey. <laughs> yeah. No, he did. And and, and you, Travis, If you haven't seen the clips, just go rewatch them because he beat the ever-living hell out of them. Yeah, and, go to Rivers, go to Rivers um, Twitter and you'll see that um, one of the followers was asking for for um, a couple clips and you can just watch. He had hands all over Travis. He was very physical right off the line. He was not giving him any space um, and it, it disrupted Travis completely. I mean, it, it really took Travis out of the game mentally and you could see it. And Lonnie was great. Lonnie, like I said, he had a couple of rookie mistakes. He's always going to. Um, it, it's just a part of, you know, it's a part of the game, especially paying, playing that position. It's one of the hardest positions to play in the league, uh, I, I would say offensive uh, quarterback, offensive line, and then probably secondary. If I had to just uh, off the top of my head, say what the three hardest positions are. And, but, but he's, like I said, he's getting better every single week at things that you need him to get better at. And he gives his team the ability to play man. 
with him and Roby on the field, you know, last week, the crossing and gains and Lonnie on the field. It just, um, he's good. He's really good. Um, okay. So let's get to your boy, Charles Aminihue. Um, when you see draft specialists on Twitter, say in week six after a game, that's why I had a first round grade on him. He's he, now and now he's turning into a player. And then you go and look and see what grade they actually had on him. And it wasn't a first round grade. Um, <laughs> that's, that's when you know that a player is starting to progress and develop. Right. And that's happening with Charles a lot right now. You're seeing a lot of the draft Knicks. I say that in quotations, um, really praising Charles Amenahue. The only, I don't want to call it Zach Hicks a, tra- a draft Nick because he's not, but he he definitely scouts and he's at the Senior Bowl. He was extremely high on Charles Amenahue. He wanted the the Colts to take him in the second round. Um, so just to show you like where he valued him, um, Charles is really becoming a player, and I think you could literally say that that strip sack was the moment that the game turned around. Yeah, Charles is something else. He was supposed to be a poor man's well player whose name we no longer mention because we all start to cry. But that's that's what he was supposed to be. He's slower, not quite as strong, but same sort of flexibility. However, Amenihu has less fear going up the middle and playing almost more of a defensive tackle type role. He looks stronger. I, here's the thing about scouting reports, and it's really hard to predict a player's playing strength. I've... With the uh, the bench press drill at the uh, the combine, bench presses. I mean, you know, guys that are stronger than being able to do two plates, which is two twenty five, and for whatever reason they get in the gym and they can't move weight around. But if you ask them to go push a fridge or a car, they can. And I think we've all known those guys kind of growing up in the NFL when you have to try and compare a guy to college players and lower level talent. That's why they, that's why they have to use these set drills, but it's not really accurate because a many who, I mean, he, he definitely does not look like he's overmatched out there and he's a, and he's a rookie. And that was one of the biggest knocks on him is he's not, as, it was, he wasn't supposed to be this strong. And, and I watching him against NFL players, he, Definitely looks plenty strong. And he looks like he has more lateral quickness than he was projected to have. Like he just, again, it's one of those where where scouts can be wrong. I mean, scouting reports can be wrong. Trying to go off uh, basic drills, those can be wrong. And I mean, you had, he was considered a steal of the draft for us, but even for what was considered a steal, he's outplaying that. Look, he's 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 he had a great game. I don't want to say he's turning into a player because you see flashes happen often. Um, but if we see if if we continue to see what we saw on Sunday, and it doesn't necessarily need to be a strip sack, it doesn't need to turn into sacks his rookie year. Just you know, quarterback hurries, knockdowns, you know, hits, whatever it would be, just pressure in general. Um, you know, this is a great thing, and this will go back to kind of what Jason Braddock was saying as far as like the team sacks and stats the stat of, uh, you know, the team having enough sacks to make up for what, you know, the missing 
what we're missing from a you know the player that shall not be named, even though I hate not being able to say his name. Um, so yeah, and if that continues, fantastic, and and I think it will. I mean, a lot of what he did on Sunday, outside of that sack, I mean, he was getting pressure. Um, so it's just a great thing to see. Okay, BMAC is getting absolutely zero love this season, and it's kind of crazy because BMAC tends to get a little bit of love throughout the season. Um, I mean, he did make it to the Pro Bowl last year, but um, what he's doing, I mean, take away the fumble recovery and just look at him as a run defender. Uh, he's destructive. I mean, he's he's such a downhill, just hit you as, as soon as he sees you type of linebacker. Um, and it's the reason why the Texans defense is only giving up 88 yards on the ground. And honestly, like, think about that. Like, I know we play, played McCaffrey and he gashed us for 180 yards, but 80 of that was on the ground. The other 80 was catches and BMAC's not going to cover Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield. It's not going to happen. Uh, nobody. Yeah. Um, <laughs> opposing teams consider it a win when BMAC's covering the running back with good reason, with good reason, because that's not what he should be doing. He's stopping the run and he's disrupting the passer on passing downs. If he's dropped into coverage, I mean, he shouldn't have to do it that often. No. But the other part of his game that doesn't get talked about is just as, you know, how effective he can be when he's rushing the passer. Um, you know, I think two years ago I call I, I said he was the best pass rushing middle linebacker in the league. When you send him on a blitz, he's typically going to hit the quarterback um, and fo- force an errant throw. Um, and we didn't see a lot of it this week, but when you do see it, he's just very effective at it. Um, all right. Uh, this is turning into a really long pot again. Um, real quick, defensive rankings through six games. Total defense, Texans are 18th. Passing defense, Texans are 24th. Rushing defense, we are 8th. Uh, and I want we'll come back to the rushing defense in a second. 11th in sacks, 14th in scoring, and 9th in turnovers. So we're average. We're, we're, we're middle of the road if you were if you combine all that. Um, I would say that they're better than their stats this last week, at least, um, you know, Preston called me last week. He was talking about how I don't give the defense enough love. And I told him that's because of who we've played so far. Um, it's easy to give them love when you're playing Gardner Minshew and Kyle Allen, but this week would be the week that made me let me know what this defense could be. And I think what we saw out of this defense was a very aggressive defense, which is not something that we're usually going to say about this team. Um, as we've seen rack be the bend don't break, you know, playing prevent defense type of coordinator, but the defense as a whole looked a lot better this Sunday than they have all week. Or I mean, all season. It's one of those things with our defense that, in some regards, I'd almost argue that we're more productive with our defense this year than we were last year, even though overall our personnel is not quite as good as it was last year. It's now that we have to be a little bit more creative with blitzing and a little bit more creative with coveraging, with coverage and using more man defense. Like I think our defense is playing better because of that, because he's not trying to rely just on the athletes that we used to have. Um, no, that makes sense. I think that's a, I think that's a good comparison. Um, all right, let's, um, let's get into the lowlights of the offense. 
there were some, uh, there were quite a bit actually. Um, and it's funny to have those when you beat a team like the chiefs, uh, I'll start with the second interception into double coverage. I thought that was just a bad throw, bad decision by Deshaun. He should have never thrown that ball. Uh, He he had made up his mind to throw the ball before he saw the coverage. Correct. And those are the types of things that he's got to correct. It didn't bite us in, in, in the butt this time. I mean, he, he played well, obviously. We talked about it for 30 minutes. Um, but that those type of things, like, he's got to be better at. Um, like and, and obviously, when you look at his TD to interception ratio, he's not Baker Mayfield, right, with uh, 11 interceptions and five TDs. He only has three. three. I had to throw that in there. He, he only has three interceptions on the season. He's, he takes care of the ball really well. That was just a bad decision on his part. Um, the deep throw on third and one. That one was a third and one or fourth and one. It was it was one or the other. I, I can't it was remember. Fourth and one. I think it was fourth and one. Um, not getting just the first down and taking a shot downfield. I get it because the defense is set up to try to stop you from getting the first down. So if you're gonna take a shot, that's probably your best time to be able to do it from an analytics standpoint. And maybe that's where it came into play, but. I, uh, I I just, uh, you know, being aggressive is great, but I think being aggressive at the right time is the key, and I don't think that that was the right time to do it. I would rather us move the chains and keep the drive alive, keep the off- their offense off the field, and see if we could add more points. Uh, um, I'm cool with it. Yeah? I'm cool with it. I thought we were going to have to steal a possession. I thought we were going to have to do something like that. And, you know, when you take those risks, sometimes you don't convert them. And so I'm cool with it. Sometimes you have to take risk and I understand that it may not have been the smartest, but for years I have railed about this team being conservative. So when they're going to be aggressive, I'm not going to, I'm not going to all of a sudden switch there, even when there is being dumb aggressive, but at the time and the team that we were playing, I, and the situation I am, I'm actually completely cool with it. Yeah. I, I think though, like when I look at the team that we were playing, I think you can make an argument also like moving the chains and keeping them off the field and, and keeping the drive alive. Um, like obviously if you could score score, but I don't know. I, I, I guess it can go either way. I would have preferred for them to get the first down and just keep the ball moving. Um, especially at that point in the game, but I could see an argument for it either way. Um, obviously the slow start by the offense was a problem. Uh, Will Fuller decided to tie bricks to his hands this week, I guess, um, and try they to catch the ball. They were sore after last week, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't. Maybe he had blisters. Um, maybe he needs new gloves. Uh, I'm not sure what happened. This was very like reminiscent of his rookie here. It's the first time we've really seen it since Deshaun. It's my fault. Um, I said something about it, it last week. It's entirely my it, fault. It, it probably is yeah, all my fault. Your I fault. Take the, I take the blame. But God, he was awful on the deep throw, like catching the deep balls last week. I mean, it, literally, there's no other way to put it. Like, he was very bad. Like, those were very well placed balls that he should have caught. It's not like they were overthrows and he had to die for them. I mean, God, they hit him right where they needed to be, right where the ball needed to be, and he just could not do it. So, hopefully, that gets corrected. I'd like to think it will. I mean, we, he's shown us, you know, so many times that he can catch those balls. It's just. I don't know. Maybe the moment was really big playing the Chiefs. I'm not sure, but um, you know, and I said last week that Will Fuller would be the key to us winning because Breland was going to be locked up on him, and 
Um, the fact that he just didn't double down on that and, and God, it just would have blown the game just way out. I mean, it just would have changed the whole game. Um, so hopefully that'll get it. Nuck dropped a, a TD too. you know, whatever. I mean, I'm not going to kill Nuck for something like that. Like, I wonder if it's honestly the pressure that they're putting on themselves right now. Because you admit, I haven't watched it yet, and I really need to watch it, the state of the black QB. But where Deshaun, you said he was just saying that and right now in Houston, you have to win. So I wonder if that's yeah. part of it. So Because Nux had more drops this year, and now Fuller kind of having a little bit of a meltdown game against a top tier. It was just maybe the pressure they've put on themselves, where it's better that they have that pressure now, and they just kind of get through it. So by the end of the year that it's they're just playing and right now they just have this mentality that they have to win. And you know, sometimes that messes with your head. Yeah. So what John's referencing is, uh, I forgot who did it. I think it's Bevel, but they did a, um, they did a little 20 minute video with Warren moon, Deshaun Watson, Josh Dobbs and EJ Manuel. Not sure why they chose the other two, uh, Warren and Deshaun make total sense. The other two, not really sure, but, um, cause there are some other good black quarterbacks that you could have had in that room. I think Lamar Jackson would have been good. Um, I think RG three would have been good, but, uh, either way, whatever. Um, and, and in that video, Deshaun, they, they, they're just talking about what black quarterbacks go through. Um, you know, Warren mood talks about, uh, I think when it opens up, he mentions how, um, you know, why don't you throw that ball like a watermelon or, you know, just very racial remarks and some of the things that black quarterbacks go through. And when they went to Deshaun, Deshaun, you know, Warren did, you know, said, do you ever feel like the expectations are higher for you that you have, you know, you got to do a certain thing like right now and perform instantly before you get yanked and stuff like that. And Deshaun answered in the most Deshaun way possible, basically saying that, you know, in the city of Houston, <clears throat> they are dying for a championship and they want to win now. And I feel that and I want to give that to them. And it, it, when you, and I'm paraphrasing because I, I don't know, ex- I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was in that context. And um, when you see him talk about it, though, when you see his body language and his eyes and the tone he uses, um, you could just see that there is pressure there. And obviously, with Deshaun, you'll probably never have to worry about pressure with him. That's actually when he thrives. Um, my God, Aaron Rodgers with a beautiful ball. Um, but it was just interesting. So that's what John's re- re- referencing right now is just kind of that aspect of it. Uh, maybe, maybe that's the case. Maybe there's some pressure. I mean, I, you know, I don't think DeAndre's a pressure guy. Um, you know, and he's had some drops this year where you're just kind of like, wow, really? That's the ball you drop. But uh, Will Fuller, it's more of an issue just because you've seen, um, you've seen this before. And uh, it's not something you want to see, especially after last week, what he did. Uh, all right. Uh, Titus getting hurt. This is not. Oh, Preston added something called Preston called this. Preston, why would you call this guy getting hurt? That's weird. And why would you brag about that? Oh, yeah. Why would you put an exclamation point at the end of this? No, we're, we're going to pretend you didn't call it. It's almost like you made it happen with witchery and sorcery. Um, all right. So Titus got hurt. It's a sprained MCL. Uh, he'll be back this year, according to Bill O'Brien, or he expects him to be. 
Uh, with these kind of injuries, though, it's something that you you want to take care of. You want to be very optimistic or you want to be very cautious. You want to take your time um, because if they rush him back, then it can end up uh, being much worse than what it is. And I would expect that to be the case. I don't expect them to rush him back. Obviously, it'll all be dependent on how Roger Johnson performs, but um, it sucks to see Titus got hurt. Um, another low light for me is just the lack of using Kiki. And I even put in parentheses me being nit- uh, nitpicky because I really like watching Kiki play and I like watching him catch. Um, I think he's very dynamic. I love when he has the ball in his hand. Um, but that's, like I said, me just being nitpicky. Um, yeah. Anything about that's, those two? Yeah. <laughs> You're just being nitpicky. I am. I like Kiki a lot. I, I really do. I think he's, well, I mean, I, I spent a whole off season talking. I about was him. about to say Carlos Hyde shirt. There was a couple of plays where if he had, you know, a tighter shirt on or a shirt that would rip that one, he probably busts through and gets a touchdown. And that's when he ran over Tyron Matthew. So that, that, that was just mm. priceless. And I hope we got a good screenshot of that one. And then the mm. other one was at the end of the game when we were trying to run out the clock and they almost, and they did stop him because I tackled him by that same stupid shirt that I'm surprised he didn't, how did he not cut it? And I hate to say anything about that team up, up uh, near Oklahoma, but maybe he should go learn a lesson from that guy and just cut the bottom of it, of his undershirt off. And now I understand why that guy up there does that. Because, man, that would have been funny. But the best part, or not funny, but funny, sad. The best part was him running over Tyron Matthew. I mean, that was that was just great. Yeah, that was great. And it's a perfect segue into uh, my next point uh, of, of this is that we actually got to see Tyron was not good against us. And who would have thought that he would have been good against us? Tyron is not—he's not the honey badger of old. He's not what you know out of LSU in Arizona, the Swiss Army knife on Swiss Army knife on defense. He's turned into the honey bear, and um, he's just kind of a guy. And we told Kansas City about that, and Kansas City fans were in our mentions and talking about you just don't know how we're going to use him. He's the missing piece to our defense. Well, if Tyron Matthew is the missing piece to your defense, and that was the defense that we saw on Sunday, you guys have a lot of problems to sort out. And I get that Chris Jones is hurt, but God, you guys were awful on defense, and Tyron Matthew is not going to make you guys any better. He's going to be a cap casualty next year because he's not good at football anymore, and he's not worth $14 million. Yeah, thank you for saving uh, us from that mistake. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. All right. Uh defense lowlights. Um not a lot here is they actually played pretty well. Um I, I, I put JJ was a no show again. And I only put that because I haven't watched the game on all twenty two and I'm sure he ate up a lot of blocks. He's I'm now sure number he one in the pressures. NFL in QB pressures. Title of his brother. Right. Right. Um and, and I don't think he's top ten either, actually. No, he's number um, one. Who, JJ? Yeah, number one in QB pressures. Tied with his brother, wow. TJ Watt. Okay, I thought you said he's not his brother. No, no, no. Um, he's tied with his brother. So it's one of those where well, good. when he didn't finish, but his impact was definitely there. It's the same thing that if, if well, we were going to talk about how stats aren't everything for D-Hop and Watson, it's the oh, same with JJ. Yeah. How about the same that we used to say for the last four years about Jadavian Clowney? Yeah. 
So it's one of those where mm. I know right now you're mm. still a little bit disappointed in JJ, but he he was he was better than fine. He he was not a no show. Well, good. I'm glad that he's getting the pressures. I'll like I said, I'll watch you all 22 tomorrow. If I'm wrong, I'll admit it next week. I have no problem eating crow. Um, but him not finishing is a problem. Like he, especially when he's JJ Watt and he's the only premier pass rusher we have. He's got to learn to finish, not learn, I guess, because he knows he's done it before. He's just got to get back to finishing. Um, that's what I'd like to see from JJ. Merck was quiet again. Um, not he didn't have his best game. Um, he still, you know, he still made an impact, not to the level of JJ compared to what you were saying stat wise. I'll, I'll watch the film tomorrow, but. Um, yeah, Merck just kind of was was there. Um, I'd like to see him get back to what we saw the first four weeks. Uh, Roby Hurt sucks. That's really the biggest thing. Like the biggest question mark for us moving forward is just the our secondary. Cor- yeah, our corners were our weakest position group. We've said this since the I don't know all summer, and we really could not afford any injuries there. Roby's, of course, the one that's playing the best. So naturally, he's the one that's going to be out for a month. Yeah. Um, the good thing is that if our secondary was to get hurt, if there was anybody in the secondary that's going to miss a month, um, now is the time to actually do it because we play the Colts, the Raiders, and the Jags, and then we're on a bye. So if we're going to overcome the injuries in the secondary, um, this is probably the time to do it. Like I understand like the fear of T.Y., but keep in mind that T.Y. is not having the ball thrown to him by Andrew Luck. And Jacoby Brissett hasn't been great this year. I know he had one game with us when we first played Jacoby Brissett. And T.Y. had 175 yards. That We haven't really seen that this year, though. Um, but they also haven't played a secondary like the Texans. So maybe that happens. But um, if we can come out of this, I think we'll be all right. Um, but it, it still sucks to see that that was the case. Uh, Zach scared me when he went down. Um, that was like, I was like, oh God, he's laying down. He like grabbed his leg for a second. I was like, oh no. Uh, but luckily for us, Zach Cunningham is fine. Uh, just to read missing the interception, me being nitpicky again. Um, <laughs> There's but, a reason he plays defense and not offense. <laughs> yeah, I understand. But he could have like, uh, you know, swatted it. Like, I don't no, know. It, I mean, it was one of those that... hands. Yeah, that was just ridiculous. You let a five foot nine wide receiver moss you. Like, you granted, Tyreek Hill not, can jump. He can. He's an athlete. But um, all right, that's about so. it for the low lights. Other than that, I mean, it was a great game. We won. We beat the Chiefs. We did exactly what we needed to do. You guys for that are clamoring for national media attention. You guys got a lot of it today. Um, we even made the NFL Ringer show, um, which is something I asked for. Uh, they said that we're that scary team that starts to form in the middle of the season and that if this offense is what we can come to expect, then the league needs to watch out. So that was nice. And then you pretty much got an entire hour on Colin Cowherd about Deshaun Watson. He's always been a Deshaun Watson fan. Uh, he's very critical of the franchise, but he's always loved Deshaun and uh, he had a great show today. Uh, so the national media is is paying attention and that's what a lot of you guys want. Um, National media is also saying like Mahomes wasn't hundred percent. I freaking hate that narrative. Like, especially when you saw tweets come out um, 
you know, prior to the game that he said he's 100%, ankle's not bothering him, blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, you go into the game and they lose, and then you have like a built in, you know, reason as to why they lost. I really hate that kind of stuff, but it's not like he had to uh, play a top tier team after driving it, riding in a bus cross country because he couldn't take a flight or anything, you know? Right. That's what I'm saying. Like they, they tend to miss what Deshaun went through last year, but whatever it's fine when we when we beat kansas city in the playoffs i guess then they can start to talk about how deshaun's just that much better all right a quick afc south update uh your texans are four and two after beating the chiefs the colts are three and two they're coming off a bye we'll be playing them sunday uh the jags lost to who did the jags lose to i don't remember but they lost uh titans lost to the buffalo bills and the best part about me writing this today was i get to say your favorite name uh nothing really to discuss outside of the afc south but the fact that ryan Tannehill uh is played and is potentially going to be the starter i just remember when you did the fantasy podcast you kept saying Tannehill, so i wanted to uh be able to bring that up uh in the podcast Okay. Thank you. Any words? Any thank you. <laughs> any, thank you. Any words? I don't care. Any words about? I just. Okay, I'm just. Right. I'm just okay with us. You know, we're not having to celebrate about being kings of crap mountain. That's. That's what I'm happy about right now. We've actually gone out. Both the Texans and the Colts have now beat the Chiefs. The Colts, still scary, even though it's with brisket, but. Could you imagine the Colts if Andrew Luck was still healthy mm. or still wanted to play? I think he's going to drop Matt Ryan onto the Colts. Yeah, I saw that. I'm, that's not that's not happening. Uh, the yeah. only thing that you know, the only thing I, I know, no, it's just to kind of, it's just kind of to put in perspective. Like the Colts are going to be a battle. That's going to be a great game. I think Gardner Mishnu. Damn it! Now I'm not going to be able to say his mm. name. He is their version of Case Keenum, and it's what would have happened with. If we had gone with Case, Jacksonville's going to find out with going with uh, with Gardner down there that there's going to be games that are exciting. There's he's going to keep them in games, and he's going to do just enough to fool them into thinking that they don't have to go get a quarterback, which is going to keep them as kind of like an upper mediocre level team. But the Titans are just a hot mess. Yeah, the- I mean Mariota continu- continues to regress. Like he played better his first and second year than what he's playing right now. And maybe that's because he's had so many offensive coordinators, but there is something wrong with that kid's head with how he's reading the field. And it's just, it's regressed. Yeah. I I think, I think it's funny that Tannehill played and that's likely going to be the case this week as well. And, you know, maybe they'll get to six to seven wins, but outside of that, they're not going to be able to draft a quarterback next year and they're going to be in the same position. Um, Yeah. They're going to end up having to give up, their draft to go get one, or they're going to have to do another year of Mariota. And I mean, they've got to re-sign them and somebody's going to sign them for a decent amount of money. Well, that's the thing. So that's where I was going next with Mariota. It's never been talent. It's always kind of been between the ears. And you know, when you have seven different offensive coordinators in five years, it's really hard to be able to have an understanding of what the team is going to accomplish and implement those offensive game plans and schemes. Um, so I, I, I say that and I, I'm wondering, you know, where is the right fit for Mariota next year? Like there aren't a ton of teams that need quarterbacks anymore. It, it's kind of weird because usually every year there's at least six or seven teams that need quarterbacks. And we're not and that's That's not the way the NFL is right now. A lot of teams actually have their quarterbacks. But ideally, if you were to pick 
one team for him to go to, where would it be? Honestly, right now, I'm not even sure. It would have to be... I think that Frank Wright would be the best coach for Mariota. So it's one of those that... I don't want him to go to the Colts because if somebody does get his head head right, then he could be a very good quarterback. But the Titans have just, they've messed up. They've messed him up. And I don't think they're, they're going to be able to fix him. And it's kind of a shame because they've put together a pretty talented defense. And they've got some players on offense. Like they should be a decent team, but they're not. They're just not yeah and it doesn't matter who they drop in at quarterback right now i'm not a big fan of their offensive scheme they're trying to combine what bill o'brien and josh mcdaniels do with what the rams do and what the packers kind of do this kind of west coast spread mix that it's really not working and that's after having this, after having the exotic Smash Mouth years, like this is why Mariota struggles. Nobody's, they've taught him essentially to go from reading defenses to having to throw on time back to kind of sort of reading the defense, but depending on where he's at on his drop. So he's supposed to take three steps, scan a certain part of the field. And then if it's not there, continue into a five-step drop and scan another portion of the field. And that's, it's just not working. So there's two spots that I think are, and we're early, so to consider them dark horses would be crazy. But I think you'll, start, you'll see this once the offseason hits. One spot I think he would thrive and do extremely well and would give the team exactly what they need is Chicago. Him with a Matt Nagy offense would just be, if 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 anybody can get something out of Mariota, I feel like Matt Nagy and his offense would be able to get a lot out of Mariota, and I think it would make that team complete. Because, like I said, yeah, that's Mar- interesting. That's a, that's very very interesting. Um, you know, like we've said, it's not about his performance capabilities. It's just what it's in between his ears. But man, a Matt Nagy offense with that, you know, what they do, they do so many things, lots of motions, RPOs, um, lots of play action. Um, it would just be interesting. And then the second one to watch, if if this continues, if they continue to go down, is the Los Angeles Rams. So if I had to watch yeah. two teams, it would be those two. No, I can completely see the, I mean, Sean McVay getting a hold of Mariota would get the most out of Mariota. I completely agree with that. I don't think they're going to bail on golf quite yet, but maybe as a backup, which is scary. And then the Bears do not have as much talent on their offense as the Titans do. But I think that Nagy would be able to unlock Mariota. I agree with you on both points. And then the- I just think that at this point... Mariota needs to go somewhere and maybe the Rams would be good because he could sit there and he could sit for at least a year before anything would be asked of him and kind of just reset. Cause that's what he needs. He just needs to reset. I mean, I, I feel for the kid cause to have that many different systems with 
that many that are that far apart in philosophies thrown at you. I, there's no quarterback that's going to come out of that and, you know, be good. I, I That would mess any quarterback up. Yeah. And then the super duper dark horse, and this team is really, really good right now, is the San Francisco 49ers. Even though I know that they're 6-0, and Jimmy G hasn't been incredible this year. Um, he's been okay, but he hasn't been incredible. And I still don't buy into them as a contender yet. I know they're 6-0 and and they've had some really, really good wins. Um, but a lot of those wins have come from just that defensive front is just stupid talented. I mean, yeah, and they, like and they've put together talented, and their ability to put together a running game plan, right, is just second to none. So to add Mariota the to that mix with that run game and Kyle Shanahan. Oh boy, heck, you can make him a running back there. <laughs> oh my god! All right, anyways, enough about Mariota. Um. Anyway, so that's the AFC South update. All right, next week we play the Colts at 12 o'clock. Um, you know, this game, I'm probably more scared about this game than I am the Ch- I was the Chiefs game. And the only reason, there's literally only one reason that I am worried about this game, and it's just Frank Reich. Um, his ability to be able to put game plans together um, and, and schemes to expose offenses and also expose defenses. Um, he's just a really, really good coach. Uh, we've we've seen it. We saw it last year, and we saw it last year in the playoffs. He he's a solid coach. I know Jacoby has not been. I I don't even know if you could say that Jacoby's been average. I guess technically you could say he's been average this year. Um, and they're they're three and two, so they're winning. But I don't know something about this game. I just don't feel extremely comfortable with. I, no, I'm I'm terrified. That defensive coordinator has been able to already has already messed with Deshaun's head and it's just using zones. We'll actually see more of Deshaun's growth this week than we have the previous couple of weeks, because they're going to take away the deep ball. They're going to make Deshaun play within and they're able to generate push on the interior of the, of the pocket. Yep. And those factors we'll see. And, if our offensive line is as improved as we as it has seemed to be, then then we're actually going to be able to pick them apart. If they are able to get pressure and push the interior of the pocket like they did in the playoffs, it's going to bait Deshaun into trying to throw deep again, and that's not going to go well. Yeah. So yeah, um, I'm right there with you. With they terrify me. Yeah, Ty and Ebron are the two weapons that worry me. Maybe Hines out of the backfield. Um, and a lot of that probably has to do with just I, I still see in my nightmares uh, Tyron Matthew covering Naeem Hines in the end zone. So maybe him not being there will make me feel better. Um, but outside of that, those are really the only three. Like I know Marlon Mack is having a great year. I think he's a top five running back statistically uh, entering week six. Um, but the run the run game just doesn't worry me as much. I, I feel I'm confident in our run defense to be able to slow down the run. Uh, and I think if you can do that, I think you can beat the Colts because they are predicated off of the run and uh, it, it helps Jacoby a lot. So um, their defense is what scares me. And then the like their corners are really good. Their corners are really good, really good corners. And this year they are have the ability to play man zone. They can do whatever they want. Um, and their pass rush is a lot better. 
and Darius Leonard is just a bad man. I'll never forget last year when Darius Leonard covered Nuck out of the slot and deflected a pass. Like he should not be able to do that. Um. So yeah, I mean it, it's going to be a really good game. I just uh, I don't think it's like this. Like I, I guess I say that because I know how we get as fans. We, we're emotionally vested. So after coming off of those the win in Atlanta and then this big win in Kansas City, it's you feel unbeatable. You feel like nothing can go wrong. This is how it's going to go the rest of the season. Just understand that one. That's not how the NFL works. It's very rare that you see teams just continuously dominate. Um, there's the Patriots, and then that's it as far as that category. So, um, just you know, keep in mind that this team we're playing is a very good team that is capable of beating us. Like, remember, they beat the Chiefs before we did. So, don't go into this game thinking it's a lock. We should beat them. We have the weapons to beat them. We should. We're better in most phases of the game, but. Uh, just keep that in mind. Anything else on that, John? Nope. I guess we're having to do our predictions, aren't we? We're having to do our predictions, John. We're doing our predictions. Why don't you I will it? say that I'm going to predict this game to be closer to the Panthers game and just even a level of frustration to watch. Um, their defense is going to do enough that it, we're going to sit there and we're going to scream at the TV. And it's going to be, it's going to be a grind. It's going to be low scoring. However, this time I have faith that we're going to pull it out. I don't think that Jacoby Brissett and their offense has enough, even with our depleted secondary, to outmatch a frustrated Deshaun Watson in our offense because our offense just has more weapons than, than theirs and more weapons than we had last year. And we should be able to outscore them, but it's going to be it's going to be close. Because it's the NFL, it's always close. The Colts are a good team. Frank Wright's a great coach. But I'm going to go on the record and say that we beat them. Okay. I, um, I'm i a little more confident. I think that we do beat them. I do think that for the first three quarters, it's going to be a little bit, it's going to be a, a tougher battle. I think it'll be close throughout most of the game. Um, but I think in the fourth quarter, we we kind of we start to take off a little bit. Um, the one thing that I f- feel is in our favor and typically and actually before Deshaun, this was never in our favor. But playing on the road with Deshaun always makes me feel better. Uh, he tends to just be better on the road. It's just the way he's been since he joined the team. Uh, and so with that being said, I, I, th- I think we beat them. I don't think we beat them handily. Uh, I think, like I said, through three quarters, it's going to be a very up and you know back and forth fight. Uh, but I expect us to pull away in the fourth quarter. I wouldn't be surprised if we, you know, won by seven, maybe. Fair enough. I expect Kiki to have a big game, though. Yeah, he had a, he had two big games last year against them. Yeah, I expect that to continue. That's still the weakness in their defense. Um, that's why I think that. There's probably a little bit more of an emphasis on our passing game being able to control the middle of the field at times. And between Kiki and Duke Johnson and Jordan Akins and Darren Fells, we should have enough that we can actually do this. And if you're a fantasy football holder or owner of Hopkins, prepare for another week that he's not going to be an uh, wide receiver one, but that's okay because he's going to mean a lot more to us winning the game. 
So do you bench DeAndre Hopkins? Never. Never, ever. Okay. All right. All right. With that being said, we are an hour and 40 minutes into a podcast. You guys wanted a long one. We gave you guys a long one. Uh, You guys know where to find us. The outro will take care of all that. With that being said, I will see you guys next week when the Texans are 5-2 and and we're playing Oakland. I'm Young Ari Gold signing off for Texans Unfiltered. We'll catch you guys next week. Loved this episode of Texans Unfiltered? We'd love for you to be a Patreon supporter. Your support allows us to provide you with the best Texans podcast possible. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HoustonFBPod and everywhere podcasts can be found. And join our community on www.texansunfiltered.com or on Discord at Texans Unfiltered. Thank you for listening. Until next time.